Each month, we like to discuss gardening with master gardener Lynn Kuntzman in Garden for Life. It took a while to arrive, but spring is here, more or less. Jeffrey Riley and Lynn discuss spring planting, soil temperature, and what to do in the garden now that things are slowly warming up. Lynn Kuntzman, always a pleasure to have you on the Jefferson Exchange. Thanks for checking in. Sure, nice to be here. So let's talk about uh, soil temperatures. This is this is a big one because, uh, for one thing, we always talk about this this time of year, the fact that, that our frost days actually come pretty far into May, I think, for, for some of us. And even Absolutely. if there weren't frost. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah the adver- average last frost date in the Valley is like May 20th. Mm-hmm. And, and so, uh, but, but this is, this is also a very unusual spring. This is the coldest, longest, wettest spring I can remember since I moved to the Valley in 86. And, um, you know, normally we have a, a nice warm April, the soil warms up and you can put things out with protection, even your summer vegetables out if you're protecting them at night, uh, you know, early on in May or, um, some people put them out mid-April and they just put cloches over them or those kinds of things. But I, I am not recommending people do that this year because the soil is still so cold. And if you put a warm season vegetable, now you can go ahead and put broccoli, cabbage, kale, all the spring vegetables out there, you know, and they should be okay. But if you're trying to put in things uh, like you want to grow in your summer garden, I, I would hold off on those. Um, the soil is just too cold. Yeah, I noticed yeah. the National Weather Service, when I look at the extended forecasts, have been uh, pointing oh. out uh, well into April that it's it's yeah. really weird to not have hit 70 degrees by now. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and what happens then, you know, when you're getting those warm days in April, the soil is warming up during the day, and then it cools down at night, of course, but it retains some of that warmth, and so it's building warmth over time during April, and usually by May, uh, the soil is warm enough to handle holding, you know, your summer vegetables, but I, not this year. <laughs> okay, so a very different year from previous years. Really, really different. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, but what kind of temperatures are we talking about they have to reach? I mean, how much does the soil temperature differ from the air temperature? If somebody goes, oh, look, it's 80 degrees today. The soil must be warm now. It really doesn't happen right. that fast, does it? So, so that, so that, and it's why we, we ask people to invest in a soil meter. I showed you, you know, I sent that little graphic to you. There's a, a picture of a meter that actually has the vegetables themselves mm-hmm. on and, and the temperatures that it's okay to plant them in. So like cabbage, celery, onion, peas, you can put in when the soil is 45 degrees. That's, that's okay. But if you're putting in, you know, cantaloupes and cucumbers and pumpkins and squash and watermelon, the soil needs to be 65 degrees at the very least. At the very least. And that's different from what the air temperature is. The soil temperature is going to be cooler than the air temperature. And, and so that little second graphic that I showed you with a the little, there's, if, if listeners go on the site, um, there's, it shows some little green dots that says practical temperature for planting. Those are the soil temperature indicators. And the black dots are really the air temperature indicators. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you're, you're talking, it's a, there's a big difference. And um, people just have to really 
check the soil temperature. Always check the soil temperature. Yeah, I'll make sure these pictures are on our website when this airs, so that yeah. people can can look at the same stuff we're talking about. It's a very it's a, right. I, I, I want a garden thermometer like this because it shows cabbage is great at forty five degrees, celery, onion, right. peas, etc. Broccoli at fifty, yeah. tomatoes at least sixty. Right, right, and so people people get really excited because the nurseries will put out. And, and some of them probably already have tomatoes and peppers and those things on their shelves in the nursery. And people will go and buy them. And if they don't ask questions or the nursery people don't know that it's not okay to put them in soil that's under 60 degrees, you put them in and you're opening them up for all kinds of, you know, n- not just damage because they're just going to sit there. They can't do anything. They really can't start growing because they're, they're tropical tender <laughs> plants. And so things like watermelon, our vining squashes, our, our, our tomatoes, peppers, eggplants, those are all basically tropical plants that, that need to have warmer conditions. We had a conversation recently with the folks at, in Del Norte County at the Community Food Council, and uh, they were talking about, yeah, yeah, you can grow just about anything here except stuff like tomatoes and those other semi-tropical things. Yeah, right. Because, the, the, you know, they're on the coast, those, those temperatures rarely get over 75. Uh, you know, the air temperatures rarely get over 75 there on the coast. Sometimes they get 80, 90 degree days, you know, a few of those. But, but for the most part, if you want to grow those things on the coast, they have to be in a, in a greenhouse mm-hmm. or, you know, under, under cold frames or th- those kinds of things because you absolutely can't grow them out in the open. Uh, in in most of the coastal areas along the Oregon and Northern California coast. Lynn Kunzman is our guest once again on the Jefferson Exchange from Jackson County Master Gardeners in our Garden for Life segment. We do stock up emails. If you'd like to send emails for the next time Lynn is on, send those along to jx at jeffnet.org, and I hope to have a pile waiting for Lynn the next time we talk (laughs) to her. So uh, other things I notice, uh, and it doesn't take much warmth, and this is not about the soil, it's about the bugs. It seems like, you know, when you get like 10 degrees above what yesterday's temperature was, kabam, all of a sudden there are bugs around the garden and around the bicycles and things like that, too. Things are, things are coming out, yeah, for sure. Um, and I, I have not seen, it actually has to get up over 50 degrees for like our bees that are ground nesting and stem nesting to emerge. I have not seen a lot of bee activity in my yard, so so I am not seeing a lot of insect activity in my yard. Hmm. I'm, I'm guessing that the things that are down in the compost pile are doing fine, you know. Right, that's <laughs> you know, that's the stuff more, that I suspect a is... More, yeah, a little more warmth, and those might be, uh, you know, uh, venturing out into the garden to see what they can find uh, and then retreating back to, you know, the detritus that's around um, to, to keep warm at night. But... but uh, now, I have not noticed a lot of insect activity at, at all um, until we, you know, once once you get a, a, a day where the temps are getting up in the 60s and 70s, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna be flying. So, so talk about uh, the, the possibility of moving some some critters along with your uh, with your mulch, for example, because um, I, I suspect that that some of the bugs that I was seeing around the the spinach in my garden is is, uh, is stuff that came over with the mulch when I threw that on top uh, sometime in March. Or- Right, no doubt. Um, yeah, so so um, things like earwigs, um, things like, but also good good guys like rove beetles and that are predatory, and um, 
you know, the slugs and snails can be under there. Uh, there are all kinds of uh, little little dudes, any number of fly, you know, predatory and hoverfly species might be in there under leaf, uh, leaf mold or leaf uh, habitat that you're <laughs> spreading around as mulch. Um, yeah, and, and so once if, if they start getting warmer, they're, they're going to be more active. Um, so, uh, yeah, but, but you know, the, the earwigs are kind of a, a year-round deal. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they really are. They'll, they... they'll, come out, they'll come out and munch stuff. And, and, of course, the things like the nematodes that are in the soil or if you have, you know, root-eating um, larva or grubs or something like that that are causing problems um, with your crops, uh, those, those guys are under, underground and they're, and they're going to be active probably unless the ground is freezing solid. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> right. um, so, yeah, it's, and it's, it's, if they're protected under mulch, you've given them some insulation there. So, um, yeah, so they're uh, going to be active. Oh, so aside from the bugs and bugs and mulch, uh, let's talk about mulch and, and soil cover generally because I was reading some other garden stuff recently that indicated it's always good to have something on top. I mean, you want to, particularly in, in the dry area of the Rogue Valley, Klamath Basin, et cetera, I mean, you really want to make sure you're keeping your moisture in your soil and you want to have something on there at all times, don't you? Sure, yeah. And, and, and so uh, what I would recommend for this spring is, you know, because we've been having a lot of rain um, <coughs> and the soil is not warming rapidly, you might want to pull the mulch back off your beds mm-hmm. to allow, when the sun comes out, to allow the soil to warm, right? Ah, because the mulch okay. is going to keep it cool. Mm-hmm. Um, the mulch is great in the summer because it does keep the soil cooler and it keeps it more moist, all those things that we want mulch to do. And it's breaking down and, you know, giving nutrient and all that stuff. But in the early, in the spring, and especially a cold spring like this, you might want to rake it back, you know, uh, even if you're only exposing the row of soil where you're going to be putting seed or planting your transplants so that the soil has an opportunity to get exposed to the sun and get warm. Um, Okay, I thought about that insulating factor. Yeah, Yeah, you keep the cool in there, yeah. Right, right. Um, or, I mean, the alternate to that is to put some black plastic down over mm-hmm. your beds, even with a mulch in place, and allow that solar radiation to get down. Through, you know, it, it, the black plastic will absorb the heat, and then uh, the ground beneath it will become warmer that way. And then you can pull the plastic off and, you know, go okay. about your business. But, um I know a lot of people don't like putting plastic around their yards. So right, they're afraid of where the plastic is going to end up uh, when no, it's, uh, sure. it's all finished. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, <laughs> it's 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 pretty much a done deal where the plastic's going to end right. up. Right in the ocean, you, know, you say. Any, yes. any 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 plastic we use is going to end up in the ocean eventually. Yeah. Lynn Kunzman back with us for Garden for Life here on the Jefferson Exchange. Uh, got an idea for gardening you want to ask Lynn about? Uh, send an email along to jx at jeffnet.org, and I'll make sure it's ready for Lynn's next visit with us. Uh, before we uh, run out of time here, let's talk about some upcoming events you have. I know there's some participation in uh, Earth Day, the 22nd of April in Phoenix. Right. Uh, the Phoenix Industrial um, Studios. Um, there's going to be a Bee City Earth Day celebration there and several different um, pollinator uh, project, Rogue Valley, Master Gardeners, Bee City, uh, and a bunch of other uh, Southern Oregon Monarch advocates, a bunch of um, 
environmental groups are going to be down there. We'll have um, milkweed for sale and some other native plants for sale. Um, and there may be some other native plant vendors down there. So that's from 11 to 3 on the 22nd. Mm-hmm. And then we have Spring Garden Fair at its new location, which is at the Extension Service on Hanley Road, um, 569 Hanley Road, not Hanley Farm, right. further down. Right next door. <laughs> <laughs> uh, May 6th from 9 to 3 p.m. And um, and we're hoping everybody will come out and see us there. But And then if you want to come and get vegetables at half price or herbs and annuals, summer annuals at half price, the week after Spring Garden Fair, we do uh, what's called a, an after sale. Same hours, same location, um, May 13th, for any vegetables, herbs, and, and summer annuals that we didn't sell at the Spring Garden Fair. Okay. So people have an opportunity to come get late, late and get it half price. So back to uh, the, um, the the milkweed. Any particular trick to, to propagating milkweed or how you want to arrange different uh, different plants? Yeah, so so uh, propagating milkweed, if you're, if you're buying milkweed seed, it has to have a 90-day stratification time. It's got to be cold and damp for 90 days. Oh. Um, usually we do that by either put it out in the yard in the fall and, and allow it to germinate on its own or... You roll it into a damp paper towel and wrap that up in a plastic bag and stick it in your refrigerator for three months, and then you unroll it and plant the seeds and they'll germinate. Um, but we have uh, narrowly and showy milkweed for sale, and um, so those are all ready to go just from pots. So they're 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 good to plant out uh, any time. Um, okay. Yeah, I'll... and when you're putting it in your garden, the best place to place the milkweed is around the perimeter of your garden, of your flowering garden bed. Mm-hmm. Um, and that will attract the female butterflies to come in and lay their eggs on the milkweed and then go into your garden and visit the other flowers for nectar sources. Oh, well, kind of a while you're here, you might want to check these things out. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, hey, look. Yeah. <laughs> I got a place to lay some eggs here. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay, yeah. so that's uh, hey. so milkweed uh, for sale on Earth Day in Phoenix, and then the Spring Garden Fair on uh, May 6th. Earth Day, obviously, the 22nd of April. Spring Garden Fair, right. May 6th. And the after sale, May 13th. Lynn Kunzman, Garden for Life. Always a pleasure to have you on the Jefferson Exchange. Thanks a lot.